listening to PetLifeRadio.com. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. Ah. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart. Author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Follow Weather, and you are listening to What Were You Thinking? I have one guest today, uh, Kathleen Sherman, but I understand we might hear some other guests in the background. <laughs> what, what am I? What am I hearing right now? Okay. Uh, the, he barks like a dog. He has issues. <laughs> okay, and you said we might hear a pig. That's the pig. Oh, that's the pig. Good grief! What's his name? <laughs> his name is Ozzy Osbourne, and, and he. Um, he barks. He was raised with a dog, so he barks. Oh, I, I didn't know pigs could vocalize. Yeah, well, I didn't know they could bark. <laughs> wow. It's wow. surprising what they learn when they, you know, grow up in the kitchen. <laughs> Good. Well, we'll talk about that. Let me introduce you. Um, Kathleen Sherman, along with her husband, David Molina. Did I say that right? Okay. Uh, they own Lockett's Meadow Farm in Connecticut, where they take care of, get this now, more than 100 farm animals. And all these animals, or most of them, have been rescued from slaughter. Most of the animals are horses that were saved from the PMU industry, and we are going to find out about that. Kathleen is a journalist by trade, and in her spare time, I like that spare time part, she writes children's books... <laughs> and does rooster imitations. She <laughs> she writes children's books about the animals that live on her farm. Uh, welcome to the show, Kathleen. Thank you. Uh, who did I just hear? That's Diablo. Diablo got into a big fight with another rooster yesterday, and I've never seen this happen. Um, they went right through the chicken wire. They each have their own separate runs, all of the roosters. They, they were fighter roosters. They're rescues. And um, they went right through the chicken wire and went at it. It was Diablo and Wembley, and Diablo lost, which is why he's on my porch right now. How's he doing? Um, he's doing okay. He looks bad. <laughs> he really does. The, um, the other guy got a chunk of the, you know, his little crown on the top of his head and ripped it off. Ooh. So that took a lot to get the bleeding to stop, and he lost a lot of blood. So I have this little triage station in, you know, just inside my house in the laundry area where I have my, my intravenous fluids and all of my stuff. So we put some fluid into him, and, and within like 20 minutes he was, he was cursing out Wembley, and they were screaming at each other from, you know, one side of the yard to the other. Wow. So. Wow. The most, the most exciting thing that happens at our house is uh, last night in our barn, there was a fight between a duck and a hen over a plate of spaghetti. Ah! That's as exciting as it gets. No blood, nothing. That's it. Oh, no. We don't have, well, roosters. We don't have yeah, roosters. You got one, more than one rooster, and, and it's just ugly. Yeah, I'm afraid, of, I'm afraid of getting hurt. We had one for a little while, and he uh, would come at me every time I came out into the barn, and I'd have to whack him on the head a couple times with a plastic pitcher just to get him to stay. Didn't hurt him, you know that. You know, it right, just, right. just got his attention. Yes. Well, they're, they're hard to get their attention, actually. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, what's your website so people can visit? It's it's locketsmeadowfarm.com. Uh huh. And so that's L O C K E T S, just like the locket you wear. And this is all oh. one word: locketsmeadowfarm.com. And there's two really good reasons to go to Kathleen's website, and there's probably more than that, but two especially good reasons are her two books. <laughs> My books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read one of the two, and I'm going to read the second, but the one I read is called The Long Road Home. Now, both of these books say Lockett's Meadow at the top. Is that part of the title? Yeah, yeah. Um, and there, there'll be, in, in the end, I think there'll be five of them, um, if, of course, they, you know, let me, they give me enough time to, to write them. You know, they're really time-consuming animals. But, um, well, they're beautiful books. They have a, just a gorgeous cover illustration by Catherine Hamill on one and by Barbara Borkhart, is that her name? Yeah. Barbara the... Borkhart is actually a very famous polo pony. She paints polo ponies up and down the East Coast. She's very well known for that. So I met her because I, I had to interview her for an article that I was writing about her. And I told her about the, the next book I was doing, and she offered to paint it. And I was like, wow, oh. wow. <laughs> it was amazing, and she did a gorgeous job. But that's my captain. My captain is a very special horse. And that's, and that's the uh, cover of the book, Captain of the Dance. And uh, one I'm going to talk about today is The Long Road Home, Lockett's Meadow, The Long Road Home. you got to get it. I'm going to tell you the website again. I'm going to repeat it endlessly until you go and buy both these books. Lockett'sMeadowFarm.com. Um, and people can buy the book right there. Is that right? Right. And you could, you know, you could always go to Amazon, go to Amazon. Or, or Barnes & Noble. Um, and, and that'll do it, too. The, the first one, The Long Road Home, actually, I kind of wrote it on a dare. Um, there's, there's a guy near here who wrote this book, Cupid and Arrow, um, and, and it did fairly well, and, and uh, it had to do with this horse that he got at auction with a heart on her forehead and had a baby with an arrow on his butt, and so it was Cupid and Arrow. And, and everybody's like, well, you know, can't you just, you're, you're a writer, why don't you write something and make some money for all these animals that you're rescuing. And I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, I need one more thing to do. Yeah. Well, then I slid on the ice and hurt my back and had to have surgery and had to sit around for six weeks, so I, I wrote it. Um, you wrote that book in six weeks? I have a whole heck of a lot else to do. Wow. <laughs> I really didn't. I was, I, was, I was mostly just kind of sitting around. It was after the surgery and, you know, when I wasn't doing therapy on my back, um, you know, which was a, oh, God, I hate going to physical therapy. Um, I just sat in the backyard and wrote this book. Well, what it, what it I'm gonna, I want to interrupt you and say it's yeah. an extraordinary book. It's, uh, it's written for young adults, but don't let that stop. Well, that just means the audience is even wider than it would be ordinarily because um, uh, I read it and it seemed <laughs> geared perfectly toward my level, too. I mean, uh, everyone would enjoy this book. I, I think that I have more adult readers than children readers at this point, uh, just because it's everything's a little funky. There's a lot of, um, Osborne, out, sorry. There's a lot of, um, it's magic. There's a lot of magic in it. So, you know, people who read, like, the Harry Potter books that, I mean, I read them all. I'm not a child. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just that kind of topic that is, is, and this is all true. What happens on this farm, that's... Yeah, and, that's what's, and it's told from the animal's point of view. That's, that's what I think is so cool. It's a true story, but you're seeing it through the point of view of the animals, especially 
Locket the Donkey. Right. Yeah. Right. And the book is really, it's about saving horses from the PMU industry. And why, right. don't, you, why don't you talk about that? All right. Um, now, this is, it's a dying industry, thank God. Um, but for years, probably close to 60 years now, the, the drug, um, the two drugs actually, Premarin and Prempro, um, and they're hormone replacement therapy drugs, and they're made, believe it or not, from the urine of pregnant mares um, because it's very high in estrogen. So these mares that are kept pregnant have to be tied in stalls for a good six months out of the year while they're pregnant. They don't move. They just stand there tied, and they collect the urine. Um, the byproduct of this industry, unfortunately, for many years, was as many as 70,000 foals born that there was nothing to do with them. Um, this, these are all, you know, born up in the um, northern provinces of Canada. Nobody wants them. You can't get them out of there. It's just too far for people to go look at them. So they uh, were being sent to slaughter for meat. How did you um, find out about this? I had heard a little bit about it way back when, but when I bought the farm, my husband and I bought the farm nine years ago, I started doing more research, and when I realized the numbers, I just, you know, always wanted horses, and wow, now I've got 45 of them, but, um, and most of them are PMUs at this point, um, and I just, I had to do something, so I was going to get just Benny, Benny's in, you know, the long road home, he was the only one I was getting, and then... You know, they're potato chips. You just can't have one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought, okay, you know, raise a baby alone. Oh, that's not fair. But it was like I opened up these floodgates, and they just started pouring in from everywhere. I so, think in the long road home, you get three or four of them. Isn't that right? I, I get four, and at the end, there's six total. Ernie was the last, yeah. the last of the first six. And Ernie was a tough one, because honestly, I thought that was the end of my marriage. He... He's like, that's it. Poor David. Everybody calls him poor David. Um, he's like, we just can't handle anymore. We can't afford anymore. This, mind you, this was only six into it. And now we have, you know, 40-something. Um, and with Ernie, I just kept hearing voices, hearing voices, hearing voices. I kept hearing his name. I heard his name before I even saw his picture on the, you know, site online where he was. And he had that, he had this huge umbilical hernia, so nobody was adopting him because it was going to be thousands of dollars worth of surgery. And uh, I couldn't let him go. So how did very you? Last second, I reserved him. Well, how did you hear his name? I was just sitting there one night, and all of a sudden, I hear this name, earnestly seeking Galileo. Yeah. And I said out loud, "What the heck is that?" And I, I see this vision of this enormous, big bay horse, enormous horse, and I was like, "Oh God, no, no, no! I can't, I can't!" And uh, well, he's huge. He's uh, almost full grown now, and he's eighteen hands and about two thousand pounds. And Good grief sweetest sweetest baby you ever met just a doll therapeutic riding you had not read the name anywhere before you heard it had you no it just i didn't i'd never heard it before in, in my life S earnestly seeking galileo where would you hear that <laughs> no no and was that the name he had on the website no oh i no, see you named just, i see me hearing voices yeah which is kind of embarrassing to be saying on a but anyway. But was he one of these PMU horses? Yes. Yeah. Yep. He was one of the ones out of North Dakota. They had started closing down all the farms in North Dakota. The industry, just, just to you know, finish up on the industry, um, is dying because they had done this huge study a few years ago, the Women's Health Initiative. They ended up stopping the study because so many women in it were having 
heart attacks and strokes, developing breast cancer, um, and, uh, I mean, this ridiculously high percentage, and they ended up stopping it and taking all of these women off of these drugs, and when the um, results were announced, everybody panicked, and, you know, nine million women a year in the U.S. alone were taking it. Now it's down to less than four million. Five hundred ranches were operating at one point, and now they're down to, like, maybe 40. Um, And does it look like it's going to shut down completely? Well, I'm kind of excited because it's Wyeth Ayers was the pharmaceutical company, and just last week was the announcement that Pfizer was buying them out. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that... um, with the you know numbers produced so low that they'll you know they'll phase it out. Actually, I spoke with somebody from Pfizer who's convinced that they're just going to phase it out, and then that'd be great because you know I can focus on bringing in thoroughbreds from the racetrack or something even harder than what oh, I've good been doing. Grief! Well, was it difficult for you to get these horses? It's it's difficult. It got harder. The reason it got harder is because I, I tend to having you know worked in newspapers and having a really big mouth. It got to the point where anybody who called themselves a rescue was no longer allowed to take to any PMUs directly because they didn't like the idea of um, people thinking that these horses needed rescuing. So there I was saying, okay, I rescue these horses, and I have this whole little nonprofit that works to rescue it, and it got to where they, they knew who I was, and I was getting letters from them saying, knock it off and, you know, take it back, and... So they didn't need rescuing even though they were going to be killed. Right, right. So, but which is, you know, which is, they have to cover their butts. There's um, there's a group called NARIC, the North American Equine Ranchers Information Council, you know, that that kind of, like, organizes all of these ranches. And um, Norm Lubick was the president of the group at the time. And, you know, he'd send me letters saying, you know, this was in the paper. Now you have to print this, you know, to so that you, we get our side in there. I'd run them all, and then I'd write a column saying, yeah, but he's lying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they need rescuing. I know where they were going. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I was always in trouble, and they knew who I was. And for a while there, I was able to uh, arrange getting some of these horses out using my husband's last name, which is different. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they figured that one out. So I was kind of underground for a while. Um, but now I've got some pretty good connections if I... You know, if there's if I hear of a trailer coming out that is definitely going to the slaughterhouses, and I can I can intercept it. I can I have people lined up who can do it for me. Wow! So so mafia does. <laughs> well, well it's the, it's, it's, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, we got to take a break. Believe it or not, we're halfway through already. So okay. you are listening to Kathleen Sherman, uh, my guest on What Were You Thinking? And we'll be right back. What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet, 
For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, we're back with Kathleen Sherman. You're listening to What Were You Thinking? And we're talking about Kathleen's first book, the Long Road Home. That's a really grim story about the uh, the, the PMU horses. And um, how did you find out in the first place that you could even get these horses? There was one group um, called Full Adoption Network, which had to change their name because adoption was in it, and then they were not allowed to get their hands on any of these horses. So I can't remember what they changed the A to later, but they called themselves Fanny. And they had worked out a way to intercept these horses before they went to the feedlots, where they were always in danger of catching all kinds of terrible diseases. So they'd worked out an arrangement. And I worked with them for a while, and I was on their board of directors. And then I just, I just felt the need. We weren't allowed to talk about the horrors of the industry. That was part of the deal, yeah. just being able to get them out of it. Well, me and my big mouth, um, I started getting into trouble, so I had to resign from the board. I want people to know that even though there's a grim backstory to the Long Road Home, it is just a, a charming, funny book, a very touching, and um, it's very uplifting. It's just upbeat all the way, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah, and in the end, in the end, the horses win. You know, um, I mean, they win. They're here. They're they're happy, and. You know, in, like in the next book, in, in um, Captain of the Dance, if, as you go through, you can see that, you know, they've, they're, they're trained. They're working in the lesson program. They're working in the therapeutic riding program. They, you know, they have all these lives where they, were, they wouldn't have. And, um, and they're really nice animals, except for Bingo. But we love him anyway. And, um, <laughs> no, he's bad. He was, well, he was in the first book. <laughs> well, you, you write this from the point of view of the animals. And... Right. Um, how did you get that idea? I mean, what what made you decide to do that? Well, I have I have issues that you know I don't talk about much in public. But when that day that I decided I was going to write this book, and I sat outside because I need to be outside, and I sat there with my laptop on my lap in the Adirondack chair, just looking back at the horses, and you know, so I'm crazy. But all of a sudden, I start hearing them tell me their story, and. You know, one after the other, they're like, you've got to write this part, you've got to write that part. And um, so I'm hearing voices in my backyard. However, um, when, I, when I had it all down, it all made perfect sense. And looking at it from my point of view and then from what, you know, they were telling me was their point of view, it all, it all fit. 
Yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's, I, you know, well, um, well, I think I, I wrote you saying that it's it's almost kind of scary. It's almost like you are channeling the animals. I mean, it's... And there's... Was that you? No, are you Diablo. channeling a rooster? <laughs> yeah, I can channel Diablo. He's going, yo, mama. He's yelling out the window at the other rooster right now. So but, I'm going to tell him. I mean, when he gets back out there, he's going to take him on. But, but yeah, you, I, I've, I've had... I actually, I actually have had the ability to uh, communicate with animals most of my life. And um, you mean like an like an animal communicator? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's funny. I'm working on. Um, oh, there goes Ozzy. I'm working on a story right. Actually, it's just kind of you know. It's, I'm calling it vegetarian in a steakhouse, which is kind of <laughs> my life. I'm always just a little bit on the outside. And how I ended up sitting in a mudroom with a with a rooster and a pig <laughs> and a pig. And, um, and you can hear the ah, the life of the writer. Yeah, it's you know how I ended up here writing stories about these animals and 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 channeling these voices. I actually have been hearing them all my life, and um, you know mostly was quiet about it growing up because I, you know, I was I was a kid everybody picked on. I was the one everybody bullied, and I was always you know anything anything at all different. And you know you're going down. You know you know as soon as you get off the school property at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, so because I've always, I was always the one who was bullied, that I, I absolutely always take the point of the underdog, which, of course, are, you know, all these animals going to slaughter. Um, so that's, that's how it all kind of came about. Well, there's great and, characters um, in this book, and, of course, what's even better is these are real animals. Um, I, I love duck. Um, duck I would. I would, but um, duck is a, a Muscovy duck. And yeah. so did you actually... I mean, you actually caught yourself thinking, thinking like duck as you were writing. Yeah, yeah. It's a little. I can't describe it because it just kind of like flows, and it's a. It's not a big deal. It just. It's just voices, but you get used to it after a bit, and and you accept it, and and it's working for me. I mean, they tell me really good stories. Um, yeah, they do. And I, I just, you know, I just go with it, and so far it works. Do you ever find out anything about their lives before they came to you? Oh yeah. Oh, I wish you'd come over here. We got some I, I, we we got some cats. We have a stray uh, cat named Franny, and I just really want to know how she got here. You know, can, what does she look like? Black and white. She. I love black and white cats. Oh, she's she's amazing. She a couple years ago just showed up down the street and came closer and closer and closer in the winter. But if she just saw a face in the window, she'd take off. We'd leave right. food out for her. But one day, uh, Linda was coming home from the chiropractor. is still cold, and Franny walked up to her and rubbed up against her leg. And oh. Yep. So that was the beginning of you know her living with us. But the thing that's so weird is, in many ways, she is so much like a stray named Agnes that we still have that we took in like 10 years earlier. And uh-huh. I just, um, you'll have to tell me sometime if you can, like, do a reading or anything at a distance, but I would just love to know her story, you know, how she got I can actually here. send me a picture. I will. I, I, can often get, I can often get stuff from pictures, and it's, it's really kind of funky. It takes a minute, and then all of a sudden it's like the floodgates open once you make the connection, and then you're like, okay, okay. I, I will definitely do that. How did Lockett the donkey come to be the central figure of Lockett's Meadow? We've, we've decided that Lockett was, 
a Buddha or something. I mean, she just, she just, I think she just kind of incarnated on this little lark here. I, um, there's no way that she was just, just a little burrow. She, um, she was just amazing. She was the kindest. We lost her last year to cancer. Oh. Um, and it was just, it was hellish. You know, we just, I just cried for days. Um, but she was the kindest soul I have ever met in my life. There wasn't a single animal, a lot of animals come to this farm. They all stay. I was going to say come and go, but they never go. Um, and she would go to every single animal as soon as they arrived and just greet them and have this whole nose-to-nose conversation. And animals that would come in here wild and crazy, and, and, um, you know, and she, would just, she would just touch them with her nose, and they would settle down, and she would just stay by them, and they'd have this whole conversation until everything was okay. Wow. She just... I don't know. I don't know how she knew what she was doing, but she was amazing. She was huh. Amazing. And how did you get her? She was a rescue. Um, she was the Bureau of Land Management uh, rounds up all these burrows out west because they just really damage. They, they're not, you know, indigenous to the area, and they eat all of the, the you know, brush. And so they round them all up. And uh, for years, they, you know, a long time ago, they would they would shoot them. They'd kill them, and then. You know, everybody was up in arms. So they started um, shipping them around the country and auctioning them off. And she was originally bought by this little old couple in Bethany. And they just couldn't keep her anymore. They were in their 80s. And um, I didn't even know that she was available. I would see her. I'd drive by all alone in this field. I'm like, I need a burrow. So I was going to go to an auction and get one. And I was doing an interview for an article down at the Dog Pound. And, and I was saying, I'm going, I'm going all the way up to New York State and I'm getting a burrow. And they're like, why? One in Bethany is available. I'm like, you're kidding. It was my burrow. Oh. It was Lockett, the one I've been looking at for wow. the longest time. Going, I want that burrow. <laughs> I had her in a week. So. Well, a lot of these, a lot of the animals in your book—not uh, all of them, but at least some of them—seem to sort of have a sense of humor. They actually do. Okay. So, do you ducks think animals do? What's ducks, that? You, you know, ducks have a sense of humor. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think cats do. I'm trying to think about ducks. Oh no, I, ducks, Muscovies do. Oh. Oh, Muscovies. Do. They're and parrots. Oh, absolutely. Sense yeah, they're, devilish they're sense terrible. of humor. Yeah. They, they do these elaborate setups. I've seen Paris set me up and then do a punchline. You know, they're, I've had ducks do that. I had one duck at, uh, at the house we lived in before. He'd get out of the backyard, which was fenced in, hop up the front steps, and knock on the door. <laughs> and I'd open the door, and he would just start whack, 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 like he's telling you a story. I'd open the door, he'd walk into the front door, walk to the back door, I'd open it up and let him out again. And oh <laughs> into the backyard, gosh. it was a setup. How- Good grief. He <laughs> was very funny. Wow. We used to, our, our parrot Stanley Sue used to make, whenever I would kiss Linda, Stanley's in the kitchen, you know, by her cage, Stanley would make kissing noises back to mock me. Uh-huh. And... You know, you kind of figure that, all right. But then she started doing it that if I would just talk nice to another animal in the room like a rabbit, she would mock me by making kissing noises at me. Right. That's amazing. Right. That's amazing. They love to mock. Oh, oh! I want to mention, too, um, I'm sitting here looking at Ozzy and thinking I've got to take some pictures because he's all curled up under his blanket. Um, we're working, we, we've actually started doing a line of um, read-aloud books for children. This the same artist. Uh, Barbara Borkhart is uh, working on one now. It's, it's the first one we're doing is a duck book. It's about Freddie and Flossie. It's two um, two mallards that we rescued who come back and have their hatch out their babies in the pond on our farm. 
and uh, bring them back and forth to visit the ducks over here every day. So we're doing that picture book, and then the next one is Ozzy and Agnes. Ozzy and Agnes, um, Ozzy's obviously a pig, and Agnes is a little jack rat terrier, and they're best friends, even though Agnes is about 10 pounds, and Ozzy's up to about 160. So. Wow. And but they, um, if you go to the website, you can actually see a little video of the two of them playing when, when Ozzy was a baby. They just play like played all day long, just and, like two puppies. And what's that website again? LocketsMeadowFarm.com. LocketsMeadowFarm.com. And, and when are the books coming out? The first one will be out by Easter. Mm-hmm. And the second one probably by July. She's finishing up the artwork for the first one now, and then we'll see what happens with the second one. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And those are also going to be Classy Pony Press? Yep. Terrific. That sounds great. Um, Good grief, we are starting to run out of time. I think what I'm going to have to do is have you back because there are so many more things (laughs) I want to talk to you about. (laughs) Are you willing to come on again? I'd love to. I know. See, we didn't even get to talk about the house ghost. Well, go ahead. Let, let's talk <laughs> oh, about yeah, your ghost. We have this really interesting ghost who lives on the farm. His name is Michael, and he's, um, we now have to bungee cord all of our stalls shut because he knows how to open them up. So um, we've had all kinds of interesting incidents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's and, in the book. Yes. Yeah, he and, he and Duck had a relationship. And uh, mostly, mostly I think his job has been to, to torture my... Um, my husband. My husband goes crazy because he turns those lights on and the electric bill, you know. And you told me, um, you emailed me and you said that there really was a, a Michael that lived yeah. on the property? Yeah, he lived on the property. We have several cottages on the property. And um, he lived on the property in the cottage and I guess he was very depressed and it was a, it was a suicide. And, um, and he, he liked the place and he kind of stayed. He's not in any major turmoil or anything. He just kind of likes the place. And he was a guest people who knew him in life he was a prankster and he was always pulling tricks um and he still does that you know hiding cell phones and okay we found the cell phone in the downstairs freezer once he did one down there <laughs> uh, the, the things that he does he has a thing for beer and the people who live in the cottage he's actually stolen entire six packs of beer one at a time and hid them in the basement and you never believe any of this stuff. I believe it. I mean, I absolutely... you live it. Well, you have a ghost cat, so... Yeah, yeah. If, if you could tell the story you told me before we started recording about your husband hollering at Michael. Oh, we were, we were in the living room, and, and Michael was acting up, and there were lights going off and on, and, and, and he finally got frustrated, my husband, and he yelled at him to knock it off. And all of a sudden, all of the windows in the living room in this old house, every one of them starts rattling like crazy. And I'm like, look what you did. Look what you did. Now you apologize right now. (laughs) And he's like, okay, okay, okay. Because he called him a name when he was yelling at him. So he apologized for calling him a name and the windows stopped rattling. And and that was it. And you would think you would be frightened. I mean, years ago, I would have thought, you know, when these things happened, it would frighten me. But it's not frightening at all because he's kind of like the this bizarre family member that, you know, drops in at odd times and you become accustomed to it. Wow. And he's just there. Wow. Doesn't doesn't phase us anymore, which is <laughs> a little scary in itself. <laughs> well, you certainly lead uh, <laughs> lead a great life. Uh, read about Michael and Lockett and all the other animals in Lockett's Meadow, The Long Road Home, and also... 
Captain of the Dance. Get them on Amazon.com if you like, or go to Kathleen Sherman's website, Lockett's Meadow Farm. Dot com. Kathleen, I'll have you back on again. Um, it, <laughs> and everyone else. <laughs> thanks so much for being my guest today. Thank you. And I want to thank all my listeners for listening. And if you would like to be a guest on the show, all you have to do is email me. Just email bob at petliferadio.com. And that's all there is to it. So thanks, everybody. And thanks to my very mysterious producer, who I think might be a relative of Michael's. Bye-bye, everyone. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.